There have been a number of occasions over Darcy's mom and dad's life where they would purchase houses. Uh, there were a few houses that they built brand new, but there were other houses that they purchased. There's been a few houses that they've moved in, and they've said, well, they're, liv they're livable ready. And they move in, and eventually Darcy's dad looks at it and decides that the kitchen's not good enough for mom's cooking. So I'm sure it was dad making that decision. So he would remodel the kitchen and make that usable. He would look at the bathroom and change the bathroom and, and make the bathroom usable. There was a couple of houses that Roger purchased where his looking at them was a desire to just completely gut them. And he bought those houses and, and went through and, and found uh, the main load-bearing wall and every other wall came out. And then he designed and put everything back together like he wanted it to be. But he made sure to leave the load-bearing walls. That's an important thing, those load-bearing walls, because that's what leaves the roof structure in place. And without that roof structure, when that roof structure caves in, you might as well just bulldoze down the whole house. So those load-bearing walls were important, and him identifying those load-bearing walls was an important thing as well. This morning, we're continuing to look at God's marriage blueprint. And we want to look at a couple of uh, marriages load-bearing walls. Uh, we're going to look at them in the next couple of weeks. We want to look at one today, and we want to look at one uh, next week as well, if the Lord wills. These walls hold up the marriage structure. Without these walls in place, the marriage structure crumbles, and it makes the marriage structure difficult to withstand. And so we want to look at these, and, and these are listed for us. These two load-bearing walls are listed for us in Ephesians 5, verse 33. If you don't have your Bibles open already to Ephesians 5, I invite you to turn there this morning. But Ephesians 5, 33 shares with us both of these load-bearing walls. Ephesians 5, verse 33 says this, However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. This passage contains both of those load-bearing walls. The first one we see is husbands love your wives. And in the context of Ephesians 5, verses 25 through 33, Paul is speaking to husbands. And so that's why we see, however, let each one of you love his wife as himself. Because he's speaking to husbands in that particular place. And then he shares with us, wives, see that she respects her husband. And that is the second load-bearing wall, wives respect your husbands. So today we're going to consider husbands love your wives, and next week we will look at wives respect your husbands. But look, to, look with me here at Ephesians 5, and we'll look at verses 25 through 31 this morning as we think about this load-bearing wall of husbands love your wives. Ephesians 5 verse 25 reads this way, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. 
In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church. Because we are members of his body, therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother, hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Father, we're grateful for your word this morning, grateful for the truth of your word this morning. And Lord, as we consider this passage this morning, I pray you'd open our hearts and minds up to what you have for us, Lord. And I do pray, Lord, that as we're here, as your word is open on our laps this morning, I pray we would hear from you. I pray, Lord, that when we leave here this morning, that we'll know that we've heard from you. So speak to our hearts, speak to our minds, Lord, and let us look to you this morning. We're grateful for who you are, Lord. We're especially grateful for your son, Jesus, and it's in his name we pray. Amen. Now, as we look at this passage, there are two headings that we're going to use to kind of guide us through this particular piece of scripture. Uh, the first thing we want to look at is the load-bearing wall, and that's in the beginning of verse 25. And then in verses 25 through 31, Paul describes what this load-bearing wall looks like. He describes the things that make this load-bearing wall the wall that bears all things. So let's look first of all at verse 25 there as we look at the load-bearing wall. It says, husbands, love your wives. Now, as we look at this, this is a pretty simple instruction that Paul gives here. He's, husbands, love your wives. And notice this is addressed to husbands. He calls them out specifically, and he says, Husbands, love your wives. And this is not the only place in Scripture we see this. We see this on a number of occasions in a number of places. In Ephesians 5, 28, which we will get to in a bit, it says, In the same way husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. So again, the topic there is husbands, love your wives. Verse 33, he's speaking about all of this. He's speaking to husbands. And he says, however, let each one of you love his wife as himself. And then Paul writes to the church of Colossae in Colossians 3, 19. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Now, as we read this, it's kind of an interesting thing to see this. It's interesting that this instruction is given to husbands. It's not an instruction that's given to wives. It's an instruction that's given to husbands. So as I think about this and as I read this, the first thing that comes to my mind is like, well, I guess wives don't have to love their husbands. I guess this is just something that just men do and wives don't have to worry about it. This must be that part of marriage that's 50-50, where I get 50% of the love, she doesn't give any, and everything is just peaches and cream. But we know that's not the truth, right? We understand that. I often think about times in my life when I was injured, uh, you know, as a four-year-old, as a five-year-old, and they were life-threatening things. And I would run in the house, and if only my dad was home, I would run to the neighbor's house. Because my dad's going to take one look at me, and he's going to say, you know how far away that is from your heart? You're not going to die. I remember one time thinking how harsh my dad was, and I was hanging out with my grandpa, and we were putting in a, a cellar, 
and I grabbed a four by four without a glove, and that's rule number one that I violated. And then I, when I dropped the four by four in the hole, I got a splinter in my finger that must have been this big. And I freaked out. And I looked at it, and my grandpa says, always wear your gloves. And I've had bigger things than that in my eyeball. And I didn't throw near as big a fit. So cowboy up. I think that's where the original cowboy up came, was right there. Dads just don't understand. But if you go and see mom, or you go and see grandma, there's this tenderness there. She grabs the ointment. She even gives us a little vitamin C tablet that makes you feel better. All right? She takes care of all of the bumps and the bruises, and, and that's the one you want to see. And it seems like moms are just compassionate that way. And for the most part, women are compassionate that way. And so this instruction is given to men because men don't normally lean that way. Men aren't normally compassionate. They are not known for their affection. That's not the way we as men are wired. Men are wired differently than women. Uh, I was reading a book uh, called, uh, yeah, this is a good one. Uh, but anyway, in this book, uh, Love and Respect is the name of the book, just from Ephesians 5.33. Love and Respect. And in this Love and Respect, he says that men see things through blue glasses. Women see things through pink glasses. Uh, and women wear pink shoes and men wear blue shoes. And when we think about things, when we look at things, we have to realize there's two different perspectives in things. There's a woman's perspective and there's a man's perspective. And we understand that there's differences in the way that we're wired. And this is what he's talking about here. This is what he's speaking about. Husbands aren't normally passionate. Husbands don't normally have that affection. Men don't. But men, as husbands, we are to love our wives. And that's the instruction that he gives. Husbands, love your wives. That's something that we as men need to take to heart. Husbands, love your wives. Now, it's interesting as we look at this, and we see this word for love that's used here. This is the word agape love. That's the word that's used here. Uh, this command that is shared here is in present imperative. Now, I know that doesn't mean much to us, but as we think about present imperative, that simply means that it's something that's to be done continually. It's something that's to be done habitually. It's something that's to be done as if it's a way of life. Husbands, our way of life is to love our wives. That's what he's sharing here. That's this command. That's this instruction here. And it's a very simple, straightforward command. And it's almost as if it's a no-brainer, but it's very much one of those structures, one of those supporting walls that helps support a marriage. And if this wall is wobbly, if this wall doesn't hold up under the pressure, then we're going to have problems in our marriage structure because this is one of those weight-bearing walls. Now, look at verse 25 as it continues. We see this load-bearing wall, but he begins to describe what makes this a load-bearing wall. He describes what this loving your wives is about. Now, look there. It says as Christ loved the church. Now, 
he's taken this instruction and he's put this on a supernatural level here. Love your wives as Christ loved the church. The husband's love for his bride is to be like Christ's love for his bride. His bride, the church. And this word agape that's used here is an unconditional love. This love is an unconditional love. It's an unconditional love. Paul uses the word agape here, the verb form of the word agape here. Uh, he doesn't use the word eros, which is a passionate uh, love. Just uh, uh, seeing something and being in love, almost like a, an infatuation of something. He doesn't use that kind of love. This is, this is not that kind of love. He doesn't use the word phileo, which is brotherly love. He doesn't use that word for love here. He uses this word agape love, and this is a, a supernatural love. Uh, as we look at this passage here, Paul is speaking uh, just prior to this about being controlled by the Holy Spirit, about being filled with the Holy Spirit. And so he's addressed that. He spoke about how we need to walk in close communion with God. And then he says, husbands, love your wives with this supernatural love that only God can give us to love our wives in that way. And as we talk about that love triangle, I shared with you the love triangle last week, how God is at the top and our bride is at one side and we're at the other side. That only works as we draw near to God, we draw nearer to each other. And as we think about our relationship with God, as we think about being walking in the Spirit and being controlled by the Holy Spirit, that's the only way that we can have this type of agape love. Because on our own, in our own strength, we are not capable to love to that degree. But as new, cre new creatures in Christ, as we are walking with Christ and in fellowship with Christ, then we, are, we can walk in accordance with the Scripture, in accordance with the Spirit, and have that kind of agape love. And it's when we enjoy that relationship with God and controlled by the Holy Spirit that we can experience that. And that's the kind of love that we as husbands are to have for our wives. Now as we think about this, as Christ loved the church, he gave himself up for her. As we think about this kind of love, this is a sacrificial love. As we think about this, Christ was willing to lay down his life for the church. Romans chapter 5, verses 7 and 8 says this, for one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We live in a society where chivalry is kind of dead. It's kind of something that's been gone. But we know that when you think about being on the Titanic and there was that saying, hey, women and children in the boat, how was that laying down someone's life for the women and for the children? This is where that's based from. This is that picture here of a sacrificial love. One laying down, willing to, to lay down his life for someone else. That's this picture here. Christ giving himself for the church is a picture of that sacrificial love that a husband is to, is to have for his wife. 
as we think about Jesus and as we think about Jesus coming and giving his life, Matthew 20, verse 28 says this, Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. When we think about this sacrificial love, this is a, this is a serving love. This is that, that willing to, to give one's life for, for someone else. We think about the prince and the princess and the, the fairy tale story where the, the prince is willing to, to risk his own life to go and rescue the prince from the, from the tower where the dragon is. That's this picture. That's this sacrificial love. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. We also look at this and we see that this love that husbands are to have for their wives is a sanctifying love. Look at verse 26. It says that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish. Christ loved the church in such a way that he gave himself up for the church, to sanctify the church, to set the church apart. He set the church apart for God. To be sanctified means to be set apart. And Christ gave his life to set us apart unto God. Christ is the one who brings us to God. Nobody else does that. And as we look at this and as we see this, husbands, we're to love our wives that we may sanctify her. We don't have the ability to save her. We don't have that ability. But as husbands, we control the spiritual climate in our home. We are the spiritual thermostat of our home. We're not the spiritual thermometer of our home that goes wherever the home is and we fluctuate accordingly. We are the spiritual thermostat. It is up to us husbands to be the spiritual leaders in our homes. It's up to us to set that thermostat in our homes, to help our spouses to be more like Christ, to help our spouses to be more walking with God. And you know, as we do that, as we help them in that, we too will be in that because we can't direct them in that way unless we ourselves are going in that way, leading them in that way. But husbands, we need to be that spiritual leader. We need to control the spiritual climate. We need to love our wives with that sanctifying love. The next thing we see is in verse 28. And we see this talk of love with a caring love. It says in verse 28, In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no, no one ever hated his own body, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. I read this passage, and I picked up a commentary, or I read something, that wasn't one of my commentaries, but I read something on this. And it said, husbands, this is an instruction to you to love yourselves. And I had to disagree. I don't think that is what Paul is talking about here in any way. Husbands, we are to care for our wives 
as much as we care for our own bodies. We are to care for our wives as much as we care for our own bodies. In this day and age, when Paul is writing this, wives were seen as property. Wives were seen as property. They were nothing more than just property. But Paul, as he's writing this, he says, Husbands, love your wives as you love yourselves. He was telling them to recognize and to realize that they were a part of their very body. Remember what Adam said when he saw Eve? Bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. He realized that she was an extension of him. And this is what Paul is wanting these husbands to realize. That they're not property. Uh, some people look at Christianity and they say, uh, as, as you look at what God teaches about marriage, that, that Christians suppress women. That is so far from the truth. This is Paul speaking to the Greeks who suppressed women, who treated their women as property. And he didn't say, hey, keep doing that, they're just property. He says, no, love them as you do yourself. See them as an extension of yourself. That's what he is instructing here. Husbands are not to see, uh, husbands are to see their wives as their own flesh. It's amazing how as husbands, we realize when we need sleep. We sometimes try to push it and we don't get sleep, but we know when we need sleep. Husbands, it seems like we are pretty good at knowing when we need to eat. Uh, I am, matter of fact, this morning during Sunday school, I was shaking, realized it's been two hours since my last meal. All right, so I gotta have something. So daily brings me a granola bar to help me out with it. I'll have to, I'll have to go home and eat the whole roast when I get home. But we know when we are hungry, and we take care to make sure that we nourish our bodies. If I'm driving by McDonald's and I know that supper's not gonna be another half hour, I'll stop in there, grab a couple of hamburgers, okay, just to kind of get me through. We know how that works, right? We understand that. This is what he's sharing with us as husbands. We are to nourish our wives. We are to care for our own wives as we do our own bodies. I think this is interesting, and, and there's no extra charge for this. Uh, this is in verse 29. It says, for no one ever hated his own flesh. I don't know if you've ever turned on the burner, and kids, don't try this at home. But, I mean, when we touch something hot, you, your instinct is to pull it back. That's your natural instinct. You don't, you don't make yourself hold it. Your natural instinct is to pull back. We, we know that. We don't hate our own bodies and torture ourselves like that. It's not our natural thing to do. But instead, he says, nourish and cherish it. As we think about nourishing it, there's this thought of, of promoting growth. And as a godly husband, we are helping our wives reach their fullest potential for God. That is what we're doing in that sanctifying love. We are nourishing them. We are helping them to grow in that relationship with God. That's our role as husbands. And he says, cherish, cherish it, for no one ever hates his own flesh, nourishes it and cherishes it. We are to see our wives and see them as something valuable, as something that's, that's given to us from God. 
Uh, I, I think about this often, and I know you guys get tired of me talking about my marriage, but it's the only one I've had. <laughs> so crazy how Darcy and I met, and I remember uh, talking to one of my roommates. Uh, we met in February, and I was talking to one of my roommates in January, and I said, you know what? I'm just so ready to be done with this whole with this whole dating thing, with this whole, you know, I, I just, I'm ready just to, I don't know, I just, I just want to find that person. Uh, I wasn't going to be married until I was 30, but I just wanted to find that person. I wanted to quit that whole just dating people thing. I wanted to be out of that arena. I didn't like that arena. Uh, and I remember telling him that. And then it was just a, a few short weeks later that my uh, another roommate invited me to play basketball at his uh, at his high school. And I went there and uh, I dunked on this kid, and uh, he turned out to be the best player in that high school. And then I met Darcy, and I think she saw me dunk on him, and she knew that I was the one. <laughs> that's the only thing I can glean. That's the only thing. That's and my parents are lost too, so that's the only thing we can figure. But it was just so crazy because I had a ton of homework to do that night. And uh, when he called me and he said, hey, you want to come play basketball? I'm like, nah, I got a whole bunch of homework. What time does it start? He's like, in a half hour. I'm like, I'll be there. Uh, I can do it. And went and played basketball. And that's where it meant. And I don't know why she was there, but for some reason, uh, she was there. And, and it's just crazy how that happens. But God is the one. Who, who brought that together. God is the one who, who put us in, and made us cross paths like that. And, and so as we think about that, it, it's valuable because, because God gave them to me. God is the one who brought us together. And so I should see that value in my wife. And I don't know how you met your wife, but I'm looking at a few of you. I don't know why you're married. Uh, uh, and so we've got to look and we've got to realize that, that God has blessed us. I mean, we, there's a lot of us who've, who've outcome the coverage, uh, you know. We just have. It just works that way. And God has given us a gift. And we need to see our lives as that gift and cherish them. Now notice what it says in verse 31. We're to love with an everlasting love. He says, therefore... And we know that word therefore is therefore for us to look back and say, hey, what's that word therefore? He's just talked all about all of this love that's there. And he says, therefore, because of all of those things, therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother. We're back to the floor plan. We talked about the floor plan last week, and this was the floor plan. So Paul is talking about, about this wall structure and how important this wall structure is. But then he's right in the middle of the wall structure. He's like, don't forget about the floor plan. The floor plan is what's needed so that we know how to build this structure thing that we call marriage. He says, a man shall leave his father and his mother. Uh, we talked about this last week, how, we, how a father, how a man leaves behind his parents and he steps in that father-son, that parent-son, parent-child relationship is broken and he steps out into this marriage relationship. We build our own nest. We have our own home. We are the ones who now call the shots. Mom and dad are no longer over us. We are no longer under their authority. We are stepping out from under their authority. The parents are under the authority of Christ. 
and child, children, we are under the authority of our parents. But once we get married, we step out from underneath that authority, and it's us answering to Christ on our own. That's this new relationship that we have as we step out. We're no longer under mom and dad's authority. We're under the direct authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. A man shall leave his father and his mother. Sometimes that's hard for parents. Sometimes that's hard for us as children. Sometimes it's hard for spouses. But husbands, as we think about that, we're not to look at our wives and expect our wives to treat us like our moms do. Wives, we're not to look at our husbands and expect them to treat us like our dads do. This is a different relationship. We're cutting those apron strings and we're stepping out, the two of us, in this marital relationship. He says, and hold fast to his wife. And I love the New American Standard. It says cleave to his wife. This literally means to glue one thing to another with a permanent adhesive. Not a temporary, but a permanent adhesive. It's a permanent bond. In today's society, it's not something that's encouraged. But in today's society, that's something we need to do. Cleave to one another. Not letting things come in and try to break us apart, but cleave to one another. And it says the two shall become one flesh. This is not a roommate agreement. This is not a business agreement. Their lives blend together. Their lives become one. And they spend life and they go through life as one. So amazing when we start that journey. We start out just two people in love. We add kids to it, the mix, and we enjoy our kids. But you know what those little nose miners do? They move out. And pretty soon it's just the two of us. And we're back in this relationship, husband and wife. And that's the permanent relationship. The children-parent relationship changes. But this husband and wife, this marital relationship, is what's to endure. And that's what's to last. And that's the exciting thing about becoming one flesh, is living life together, experiencing life together. Not separately, but together. I don't know if you've ever done this before, but kids don't try this at home. One of the great symbols of marriage is a unity candle. And you're supposed to, the parents come, moms come up usually and light the individual candle. And it's just a small candle. And then they take those small unity candles and they light the one big candle in the middle. And you know when those two flames come together, have you ever noticed that the flame does not grow bigger? The flame stays the same size. And then they light the big candle. You're supposed to blow out the small candles. If you don't blow out the candles, it's bad luck. And your marriage won't last a year. Darcy and I forgot we're on year 33. I don't know. I don't know what happened. But, <laughs> but you put the two together and the flame stays the same size. And that's the way it is in marriage. Those two flames coming together and being one flame, burning as one. And that's the picture of becoming one flesh. So there you have it. The load-bearing wall. And you have the load-bearing wall described. Verse 33 says, However, let each one of you love his wife as himself. 
and let the wife see that she respects her husband. So what do we take home from this? What do we apply to our Sundays? I think the first thing we need to see is husbands, we are to love our wives. Husbands, we are to love our wives as ourselves. That's what we are to do. This is your wife's greatest need. She is to feel and to experience and to recognize your love for her. That is what we are to do. That is her greatest need. She needs to feel loved. There are many times that I've visited with couples, and as they're going through struggles, as they're going through issues, one of the things that she says, I don't feel loved. Very seldom do I talk to couples and I have the man say, I don't feel loved. That very rare. Most often it is the wife. I don't feel like he loves me anymore. Husbands, we are to love our wives. Husbands, we are to realize that our wives are an extension of our very own bodies. That is the way it's designed. That we are to love our wives because they are extensions of our very own bodies. Husbands, cherish your wife. Love your wife. Cherish your wife. That is what we are called to do.